Join us to celebrate our 100th episode of the Freedom Matters podcast, where we expose how Governor Lee's so-called education freedom accounts will open the floodgates to funding the education of illegal immigrants. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters podcast. Yeah. Woo! Celebrate. See? I got to give you an easy one once in a while. Yeah. Love it. Gary, why am I playing this song today? Well, isn't, you know, and I I, I sort of forgot walking in, but today, right now, this episode, number 100. 100? Of the Freedom Matters podcast. Yeah. Kind of hard to believe. Congratulations. 100 episodes. Do you know the name of this band? Yes, I do, but it's going to take a minute. <laughs> Just know that I have a bet Ooh. with the producer. Oh, come on. He says you won't get it, and I said you would. It's not It's not Earth, Wind, and Fire, is it? No. No, yeah, I didn't think so, but it's just in, in the brain. Oh, man, I know who this is, but it's just not hitting the brain right now. Mr. Producer has so much confidence in you, he said, I know Gary will get this song... <laughs> But he said, I bet you he will not know the artist. And I give you more credit. Cool in the gang. Okay. Yes. I mean, 100%. I, I just, it's one of those names, you know, that just, there's, there's things that you can't, some, you know, when you get a little bit older, you, you just can't recall that quickly. But Gary, I'm 11 years older than I you know. are. I still remember. I know. Maybe I need to do, maybe I need to download, you know, one of those apps you can download on your phone where you can, you can train your brain. <laughs> You know, maybe I need to I need to reconnect the synapses. That's what's going with, on. With the telephone. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> I right. think <laughs> the, 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 the very thing that's probably rotting. Yeah, my it's probably brain. pinching all of your yeah. thought process and your bandwidth. Exactly. <clears throat> but 100 episodes. That's that's pretty. Incredible. It's hard to believe. It's been a fast. It's almost been two years, but it's it's hard to believe that it's gone like that. Or, yep. yeah. Hey, um. I know that you want to talk in, so again, theater of the mind, Gary came in like totally on fire, uh, wanting to talk about a topic that I'm going to let him have the floor to talk about in just a second, uh, that we considered last week, and he said, eh, I'm not sure I want to talk about it unless we have a guest, and then he came in because he's been researching it all week, and he's literally on fire, in fact, there's like a trail of smoke behind his hair as he came in the room. (laughs) But I want to open with a very interesting story uh, more of a national story that came out last week after Thanksgiving. Gary, did you hear about this um, water system in Aliquippa, PA? So Pennsylvania, being part of my background, I'm born and raised in Pennsylvania, although no, not in Aliquippa, had its water system hacked. What? No, did not hear about this. So what's interesting about this story is the hacking was done to software that was created in Israel. So it was an Iranian hack, and the reason they were accessing it was because they said anybody who uses Israeli software is going to be hacked. So it's not just China that's hacking, and it's not just our dependence upon China, but even our dependence upon software from other countries. So this, what's really, to me, is fascinating and disturbing about this is that even the government came out afterwards. Um, let's see. So this event happened on the 25th. So it happened over Thanksgiving weekend. And on the 28th, CISA, which is, what is that? The Cyber 
cyber what security agency? Yeah, cyber think, intelligence. I think it's typically uh, uh, referred to as CISA, but yes, or uh, CISA. No, it's CISA. Yeah, C-I-S-A. CISA. The people who are censoring us same, well, <laughs> under same, the auspices of protecting our security. The same organization, by the way, that, that has a lot of control over our election integrity across the country. Well, so this is—I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So CISA came out, or CISA, or CISA. You say tomato, <laughs> I say tomato. Listen to what they said about this. They, they seemed well, all up so in arms. Well, just so you know, Kathy Horns says CISA. Okay. Okay. So. And she's on all those national calls, so right. maybe they're all wrong. <laughs> uh, listen to what the government says about this hacking. The government seems very concerned about the hacking of the water system. They say the cyber threat actors likely access the affected device, which was a Unitronics Vision Series PLC, by exploiting cybersecurity weaknesses, including, number one, poor password security and, listen to this, exposure to the Internet. Come on. And then they go on to say what this company should do and all water companies should do is disconnect this software really? from the open Internet. Interesting. You mean that makes it more secure? So aren't these the same people that are telling us that with regard to election equipment that we don't need to worry about the fact that it's connected to the Internet? No, it's fine. Everything's good. <laughs> No one's hat. No one cares about our elections. What an it's ultimate fine. in contradictions! But I thought I would put that in graphic relief so that you and our audience could understand the who, the constant hypocrisy by who, our government. Who knew that to secure our water supply in America that you need to make sure that it's disconnected from the internet? <laughs> that that's quite incredible. Where things have have gone. Yep. Now. So speak, speaking of speaking of training your brain on your phone. By the way, it's just uh, the way we're connected is incredible. By the way, before you go forward, this is our hundredth episode. Nice. Woo! Forgot to get that in earlier. Celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Love it. That's exciting. It really is. You know, I mean, uh, that's that's a good bit of talking. And so, and so, folks know. You know, this is a weekly a weekly show. So, you know, hundred and four episodes technically is our official two year anniversary. Yeah. So, yeah, we've been at this for a while. You know, most. Uh, statistically, I don't know what the, you know, I remember when I was starting uh, a business, you know, the, you look at all these statistics, you know, m um, only 15% of restaurants make it, you know, most restaurants close. And, uh, and I don't think the success rate of, of podcasts is, I remember when I, we were starting, I sort of looked that up and I mean, most folks start a podcast and get through, you know, two, three, maybe four episodes and ah, it just doesn't work out. So, uh, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, it so. is. Uh, and people and people are still listening, which yeah. is which is also so cool. thank you to our audience. <laughs> that's that's the really important part. All right, so I want to bring up today. I was hesitant at first. This new, uh, well, it's not new, but this recent push now for school choice for educational. Uh, well, actually, what they call education freedom now. <laughs> you know, we've got a new label for it. <laughs> Uh, forget school choice or school vouchers. That's old news. This is education freedom. Being, stolen another one of our words. That's right. That's right. Making it sound great. Um, being pushed by Governor Bill Lee. Uh, and this is really his legacy. I mean, this this piece of legislation is his is the seminal piece of you know what what I think they hope we remember about Bill Lee. Though um, the only thing I will ever remember is COVID. Um, <laughs> in terms of Bill Lee. Shut down Lee. Yep. So I've been 
getting quite educated on this topic um, over the course of the week, and, and I and I want to preface by saying something as well. I right now, in terms of the bill itself, I don't want to in any way communicate that I am in support or opposition to the bill. Why? Uh, contrary to other organizations and other GOP leaders, why? Uh, because I've not seen the bill. <laughs> we are literally right now in the media Nancy Pelosiing this. Yes, thing, you know, got to pass it to know what's in it. That's right. Um, so you've got a bunch of organizations and uh, folks in the GOP leadership just touting this is the greatest thing ever. But there's no language. I have reached out to several of my friends in the legislature, and none of them have the bill. So some of them smartly are remaining silent. Their only comment has been like, look, I I would love to help children have better access to better education. But right now, I have no bill, so I can't comment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably a smart position. But what I want to do, I can only make comments based on what's been said publicly so far, out of the governor's own mouth, also by Speaker Cameron Sexton, And I want to pull some things that have already transpired through the very same model legislation in other states. Mm -hmm. But what I want to do today, and and again, I also don't want to put out the sentiment, you know, well, Gary's always the contrarian, you know, (laughs) and that that's not I'm so what I'm doing today is I'm I'm. I'm asking some questions. Let's call you the brakes, right? Yeah. Because if, if you're headed toward the cliff, that's right. Brakes are a good thing, right? Yeah. So I'll be the brakes. I'll take that. So I want to start with the Constitution. The first question I'm always asking myself when I'm looking at anything that the legislature is proposing is: It constitutional? Do they have? Have we given them the authority to do it? Now, Gary, let me ask you a question about that premise. Why? Is the Constitution so important? Well, number one, without the Constitution, we don't have a government. Um, The Constitution puts all of the power in the hands of the people. It is the express purpose uh, that government is supposed to exist is the powers derived from a Constitution that we wrote. So So you mean we don't just elect, quote unquote, good Tennesseans to go up and do what they think is good for us? No, we expect them to operate within the boundaries that we set in place as uh, a people that are governed we are uh, we you know we call this what the consent of the governed mm-hmm. uh, and that is the constitution essentially is our consent to be governed in such and such a way here's the power we're giving you and and one of the distinctions i was speaking in lenore city last night and we did just a little uh kind of a, a primer The distinction that I want to make sure people understand and why this is so important, governments, of course, do not have God-given rights. Uh, So, Kevin, where do people's rights come from? God, of course. And and governments, by the way, also don't have rights of privacy. They don't have uh, the expectation of privacy, right? And we see this being flipped on its head all the time when the government is, is confronted by good media or the citizens... They always say, well, we can't disclose that, right? And they're at, 
alleging now that they have this right of privacy. We kind of see this this turn, don't we, that the government is using the Constitution to protect its own violations of the Constitution. Insanity. And they don't. They only have the powers that we give them. They have no rights. But but we have rights. And if our rights are given from God, that means that they're pre-constitutional, mm-hmm. though they're, they are pre-political. Yep. All right. And so there's a distinction then between law and the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And, and I may not 100% be using the right legal terms, but but bear with me. The Constitution is pres- is prescriptive, and laws are restrictive. Why do I say that? Because all laws that are passed by a legislature, we have to acknowledge in some form or fashion, are a restriction on liberty. Until a law is passed right. because people inherently have rights because they are people— they have the right to do whatever they want to do unless the law restricts them from right. doing so. We as individuals accept those restrictions because we we choose to live in an ordered society. And the only way we can live in a society where all of us have an equal opportunity to pursue liberty is to restrict each other's liberty to some degree so that my liberty doesn't run into right. your liberty. Right. Right, So we accept the fact that we pass laws to restrict liberty just enough that we can all maximize our opportunity to enjoy, to, to pursue happiness. Right, right, right. Okay, but conversely, okay, well, some, close that loop in saying people can do anything they want. They have the power to do anything until the law says you can't. That's the a, a poor, a, a dumb— Sure. The, the Cliff Notes uh, version. Simplif- simplification. Yeah. yeah. The Constitution, on the other hand, is prescriptive, which means that the powers that a government have, they do not have right. until that power is enumerated. That's right. The government doesn't have any rights. The government doesn't have any opportunities, privileges from God, as people do. The government is created by the people— and so when you say prescriptive, that's exactly right. The government's rights begin with what the people choose to give to the government. And if the Constitution does not address a particular duty or power, then the government, because a Constitution is prescriptive, cannot assume right. that it has the right. Okay. So that said, let's talk about education for a minute. How many of us that listen to this podcast, and I, and I know that you and I are in agreement, believe that the United States Department of Education should be abolished? Amen to that. <laughs> and the reason is, is because the Constitution of the United States has not enumerated that power. Right. So, per the Tenth Amendment, that reserves those powers that are not enumerated to the federal government, to the states, or to the people is in effect here, so that... The, the power of educating the public, if you want to call that a power, is now transferred to the states, to the people. Well, then what do you, then what do you have to look at? The state constitution. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, so, so I'm going to go to Article 11. I'm closing this thought here. Of the Tennessee Constitution. The constitution of the state of Tennessee, Article mm-hmm. 11, Section 12. Our constitution actually does address education and enumerate a power to our state government. It says, and I will quote, the state of Tennessee recognizes the inherent value of education and encourages its support. The General Assembly shall provide for the maintenance, support, 
and eligibility standards of a system of free public schools. The General Assembly may establish and support such post-secondary educational institutions, including public institutions of higher learning, as it determines. All right, so, so what, per the Constitution, have we given our state government the power to do? To maintain and fund and support a system of free public schools, mm-hmm. including, uh, it even went so far as to say, a, a free public system of higher learning. So our Constitution has authorized our legislature to maintain free public schools and you know, a, a public university system. Right. All right. With these school choice vouchers, I just want to make, so I'm going to make this constitutional point. We are now entertaining the idea that we're going to take tax money, which again, and, and you know, this is going to turn into a Gary hates children and hates families <laughs> thing. But I, I is think— Is that why you were picking on that kid the other day? <laughs> so I think— <laughs> I think we all acknowledge, Kevin, do you believe that the public school system is failing our children? First of all, Gary, I reject the premise that it's a public school system. It is a government school system. Okay. Which is different. Okay. And having established that premise, what was the question? Well, so is that government school system currently failing our children? Of course it is. Yeah. Which is why we homeschooled our children. As do we. And do you agree that parents should be in control of how their children are educated? Absolutely. Should parents have as many options as as possible uh, on how they wish to educate their child? Are those options a good thing? Yes. Yeah. So we agree with— I, I'm, I'm doing well on the quiz. This yeah, is my quiz. I'm the, you're doing great. I'm the, I'm the uh, student this time. So— we don't disagree with that at all. But the first question I have to ask myself is, does the, does the Constitution of the state of Tennessee allow our government to take our dollars, to take our tax dollars, and now fund education in a private school system with our tax dollars? Well, the way you set up that question, I would assume the answer is no, constitutionally. Well, well I— you know, I'm so what I'm reading. There's there's only one section of our Constitution that addresses education, Article 11, Section 12, and it specifically has enumerated a power to our state government to provide for a system of free public schools. And so I'm I'm left asking myself the question: How do we infer from our state constitution that the government now has the power to accumulate tax dollars? And then give it back to individuals for the purpose of sending their child to private institutions for education. How do we how do we justify that in our constitution? On its face, it doesn't sound like it's there. So should we accept something? Should we accept our government doing something, no matter how potentially positive the outcome? If our Constitution does not allow them to do it. Well, especially— We've done that before. Yeah. Just three years ago. And when you say potentially how good the outcome is, I would would qualify that and say how good the outcome may appear or how good the outcome is uh, offered to us. But there's always something going on between the lines or beneath the surface, isn't there? So, yeah, absolutely. And so to close the loop on the constitutional piece, and again— of course, 
I'm nitpicking here. I'm just I'm being a contrarian. I'm just creating issues. But I, I for one, cannot continue to accept the premise that number one that our government can do anything that it wants, or number two, we should allow our government to do anything. We've done that before. Mm-hmm. We we just did that. Yep. And I think no matter how um, supposedly beneficial it might be, uh, i.e., school choice. And how much some people may want it, I think for us to continue any opportunities for government to to operate outside of the boundaries set forth in our Constitution is an incredibly dangerous idea for liberty as a whole. Because if they because if they can do it for something that perhaps the majority likes. Why then can they also not do it for something that the majority dislikes? Right, exactly. They're setting a precedent for ignoring the Constitution, right? What might appear good, and we're moving to this notion of direct democracy. Oh, the people want it. And we, we talked about that in the last episode, yeah, didn't we? the ballot initiatives. <clears throat> in yeah, it's, it becomes very dangerous. So, again, to clarify— we understand, and, and you understand, and you're not saying that you're against the some of the um, justifications for school choice bills and voucher programs, but I think you're going to get to another point. I want to hear about the th- – there's two dangers. Let me talk about one, and then I want you to talk about the one that brought your hair on fire when you came in. <laughs> the danger that we know in the homeschool community – is that if these school vouchers are made, initially they're only going to be made available to, what, three counties and, and only below a certain poverty level if the bill would have passed? I mean, no, that's not, no, actually, that's so— Even that's wrong? That's wrong. So, so here's where we are right now. The bill—we passed this in 2019, and currently—and it, it got pulled into court for a bit, and uh, a little over a year ago, uh, the Supreme Court upheld uh, the law— and so right now, that opportunity has only been effective to, number one, to low-income students, number two, only in Shelby and Davidson County. All right. What we're doing now is this is going to open up right. school choice to all 95 counties. Step one is it's going to open it up to, 90, to 95 counties, but only for low-income students. And then the idea is that by 2025, the floodgates will open. Right. So so we're So right now, we're expanding what is currently in two counties. To all 95. So the biggest danger from my perspective prior to the discussion we're going to get into today is homeschoolers would be, right, allowed to access that money, don't have to, but if they do, the concern is now you're going to fall under the control of the state with regard to directing how you teach your children what curriculum you use, how you grade your children, whether or not they graduate, right? So taking the money always comes with strings attached. And that's one of the biggest dangers that even the Homeschool Legal Defense Foundation has been against or concerned about this legislation, haven't they? Yeah, and and right now, by the GOP, by stating such a thing, Kevin, you're going to be labeled a conspiracy theorist. All right. You're, you're, gaslight- bring, bring, you're gaslighting. Bring it on. You're just <laughs> gaslighting. But, but the fact is, so... Uh, we, I said we we would address things that have been publicly stated. We don't have a bill yet, but it has been publicly stated that these funds will be available to Category 4 church-related homeschools, mm-hmm. which, by the way, over 90% of homeschoolers fall under that category. Yep. So, so, yes, the money will be made available to homeschool, 
And and here's the thing. While maybe today they're saying, yeah, but but there's no regulations. What about five years from now? Mm-hmm. When, okay, <clears throat> when in, in the history of government has regulations ever not followed money? Yeah, it's money corrupts. That's <laughs> that's the nature and purpose when? of money. That's Well, think about it. We talk about federal government funding of what, did you say 40% of Tennessee's budget? Is it's that federal money? Yeah. At, at least last <clears throat> year's fiscal budget. I don't know exactly what this year. Last year, it was 40%. Proving that people become dependent on money and that it corrupts. So if it's made available to homeschoolers and homeschoolers, I know I know many who would probably take it under that same reason because I know homeschoolers who have taken money to go under the, uh, what's it called, the Tennessee Promise, yep. right, to go to school. I don't believe in any of that and support any of that. I mean, that's a different discussion, not for today, but absolutely there's a risk of being corrupted and there will be strings attached. Yeah. I can't say you've heard it first on Freedom Matters podcast because everybody's talking. All, all homeschoolers, in fact, well, at least the homeschoolers that I know. And for whatever reason, I'm appreciative. I'm thankful. We have an incredible amount of homeschool families that mm-hmm. follow our work at Tennessee Stands. So we've been, um, we've gotten several uh, contacts, emails, whatever about uh, these types of concerns. And we share those concerns. So I, I do believe that we are looking at per a, a move like this. And and what's happening across the country, Tennessee, by the way, will would be the 10th state to pass this program. So we're not leaders. Right. right. We're <laughs> supposed to be leading the nation, but we're really following what I think is potentially a very bad idea. All right. So we, we've set the table on the, the constitutional issue. We've talked about the, the possible regulations, I think the inevitable regulations that are going to follow mm-hmm. into private school and homeschool, both yep. of which I think are a very bad idea. Yep. But here's the bombshell, Kevin. Here's the thing that I I really was turned on to um, a couple days ago, and I've been reading about it. Um, check this. An education savings account program is going to fund illegal undocumented children to go to private school. You are a conspiracy theorist. With your tax dollars. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> let me let me re- let me repeat. If we pass this bill in the state of Tennessee, it is going to open up the opportunity for illegal immigrants to receive $7,000 of your money per child to be educated in in homeschool and tutorials and whatever or in private school. And how is that a legal? How is that possible? Yep. Walk us through that. So let's talk about that. But but before I get into that, Kevin, do you do you think that something like that might catch on? Who who do you think might be moving here, Kevin, to Tennessee <laughs> if we pass such a law? Or who do you think might be quote unquote coming out from the shadows who are already here, right? Who have already sure. been shipped here illegally under the Biden administration's uh, planes under cover of darkness. Fair. We we talk about, you know, not being a magnet for illegal immigration. This is, I don't know how much more magnetizing you can make Tennessee for illegal immigration than passing a bill like this. Yes, because as we've stated before, you can become a lawyer or a certified public accountant, right? You, you can get professional licenses without citizenship now. Which we passed two years ago. And now they want to introduce legislation that's going to allow you and I, citizens, to fund 
the education of their children. Yeah. So why not move to Tennessee? It's perfect. All right. How is this possible? Uh, plier versus Doe. And and this is not the first time that Plier versus Doe has come up, by the way. Do you know? Do you remember the year that— I want to say 1982. Yeah. I think I, the, it was 82. The reason I ask that is that case I remember arguing over— It came out of Texas, of, by the way. As part of law school, yeah, yeah. in the 90s. Plier, I believe, uh, was a Texas uh, school superintendent uh, who, who was trying to block funding to public schools to fund— education for illegal immigrants and uh anyway that ended up in the supreme court mm-hmm. so it is now federal law actually let me restart yeah not sure Watch that it, out, supreme court it's right? not actually federal law it's not constitutional <laughs> that's right but but the the practice now per a supreme court ruling uh is i'll, I'll read this statement k through 12 public schools this is actually a uh, a white paper uh put out by the U.S. Department of Justice Civil Rights Division and the United States Department of Education Office for Civil Rights titled Protecting Access to Education for Migratory Children, a resource for family and educators. Here's what you need to know. Mm-hmm. Number one, K-12 through schools must, must, and they have the word must underlined, K-12 through public schools must be open to all students, including migratory children, regardless of their parents' immigration status. Um, they go on to say, um, let me see here. Um, yeah, the fact that you cannot, uh, education opportunities uh, cannot be discriminatory. In other words, you cannot discriminate against an individual for any education opportunities provided by the state based on immigration status. Mm-hmm. So that, that per a court ruling is, well, what they say is federal law. Uh, it's, right. it's Supreme Court precedent. <clears throat> I suppose, yep. if you will. So that's where we are. And and I say this has come up before because there have been efforts and, and bills attempted to be filed in the state legislature to restrict funding uh, for illegal immigrants to curb illegal immigration, right. and which have died because of Plyer versus Doe. So that's it's already a thing. It's already impacted legislation. All right. So – that's what sets the table. The okay. fact that any education, it's an equal protection claim. Mm-hmm. You, 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 <laughs> equal protection for non-citizens, for non-citizens, by the citizens. way. That's right. That, that's right. It's incredible. But that's where we are in education. And so now you might think, well, Gary, how do you know this is actually going to happen? All right. I'm going to read to you a, a quick little excerpt from an article from Chalkbeat. Uh, which is an education yep. uh, reporting website, that. Uh, May 11th, 2022, so just last year. And they, they mention in this long article, they mention Tennessee, and it says, a Tennessee school voucher program passed in 2019 excluded, so the, the, this is interesting, the law they passed here in Tennessee excluded undocumented students from participating. But here's what they say. Prompting talk of a legal challenge. Mm-hmm. Okay. The reason that the legal challenge did not come is because at the time when the law passed, it was struck down by the court for being unconstitutional on the premise that any state law promulgated by the General Assembly has to impact all 95 counties equally. Gotcha. And the fact that they limit it to two counties, mm-hmm. uh, the district court found unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. That was in court for about a year and a half until— 
the Supreme Court, interestingly, after one of the Supreme Court justices retired and Bill Lee was able to appoint a replacement, you follow me? Yeah, yeah. Like a mouse to cheese. (laughs) After that appointment was made, the Supreme Court took up the case and upheld Bill Lee's 2019 school choice voucher plan. All right. But that's only been enforced now for about a year, a year and a half. And that legal challenge that is out there has not yet been brought. May I suggest that if this law passes and we roll it out to 95 counties, that the legal challenge will be coming to Tennessee very quickly. If it continues to exclude illegals, you mean? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Now, Gary, why do you th- why do you think that's actually going to happen? Okay, let me go to Arizona. Arizona is a state in 2018 that passed a very similar ESA program that is being touted as a model of what's going on in Florida and what was recently passed in Arkansas, which, of course, we know uh, Governor Sarah Sanders from Arkansas was Mm -hmm. here with the governor doing the whole media rounds. Yep. Okay. But Arizona is the model. So Arizona, the legislature was questioned about this practice and would would ESAs be subject to Playa versus Doe? Are they funding illegal immigrants? Okay. What I'm going to read to you is from 2018, an article— uh, in U.S. in their Arizona Central, which is owned by a USA Today, that's the counterpart to the the Tennessean we have here. <laughs> yes, a Gannett paper, right? Yes, yeah, owned by Gannett. <laughs> Liberal rag. Correct. So Arizona Central interviewed Arizona State Senator John Kavanaugh, and just to give some credibility here, Senator John Kavanaugh is the chair of their Senate's Appropriation Committee. Okay. Okay. So this guy knows where the money goes. <clears throat> yep. And why? Okay. But state—I'm I'm read. I'm quoting here. But state Senator John Kavanaugh said he opposes marketing ESAs to people who are in the country illegally. Quote: We passed ESA to promote good education, not illegal immigration. Kavanaugh said, "I strongly object to someone to try to divert public funding to people who are here illegally." Kavanaugh acknowledged that undocumented immigrants can legally use ESAs because federal law, they call it federal Again, law, yep. forbids the state from asking about a student's immigration status. But he said their participation should not be encouraged. Quote, the most we can do is not encourage it, Kavanaugh said. I don't believe in promoting illegal immigration or using taxpayers. So so we have a state senator of the appropriate that, that yes. acknowledges I understand that federally we're going to have to allow illegals to take advantage of this funding. So his only his only solution is don't market it to them. That's right. We 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 just need to make sure we don't let them know as best we can. But if they bring it up, oh boy, we have to do it. So you have a a, a state that's already passed an ESA program that is acknowledging mm-hmm. we we understand that we're going to be funding illegals. So what are these other? So we would be the 10th state if this were to pass here? Correct. So Arizona, you said Arkansas? Arkansas, Florida. Um, I don't remember the other states. I do know. But are they not mostly red states? Mostly red states. Interesting. And except this year, uh, the Texas General Assembly just adjourned without passing Governor Abbott's ESA program. So – Currently, okay. the a similar move is moving. It's is making its way through Texas, and it's been rejected. 
It's an interesting conflict, isn't it? Because if the left were to think this through, they would actually have their policies implemented quicker if they would allow that to happen because they could flood the markets with illegals, which is what they're trying to do anyway, right? By right. putting them on airplanes. And yet they're resisting because of the the freedom movement, which is trying to get vouchers. And yet on our side, quote unquote, our side is not aware of the dangers that we're opening up the floodgates to potential millions of illegals being are, educated on the U.S. tax dollar. Or are they? Because can we play, let's play conspiracy theorists for a minute. And let's talk about this idea of the uniparty, Right. The Republicans it's are not put, just an idea; it's a reality. Yeah. So, on the on the on public facing, the Republicans are saying, "Oh no, we're against illegal immigration." Yet, mm-hmm. they're making moves to fund it all. Right. How, how do you get state supermajority Republican legislatures that pass bills like giving professional <laughs> business licenses to illegal to to non residents, and then passing something like school choice, which is going to pay for private school? to illegals. So so on the on the forward facing the the, the media hit is oh those those crazy leftists those democrats you know yep. yet they're putting the laws in place they're 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 putting the mechanisms in place to fund all of it. They'll be just like pilot wanting to wash their hands from it and they will probably point their fingers to you and I and other conservatives to say well, was your fault you wanted the ESAs. Right. Well, we have to now fund the illegals, right? Yep. So I want to I want to bring one more thing up because again, because uh, you know Gary, he's just he's just bringing up all this. He's gaslighting, right? Well, I, I just quoted <laughs> you a state senator, a chairman mm-hmm. of the Appropriations Committee in Arizona, who acknowledges they know that their program is going to, well, in his sort of unknowingly fund right illegals. So here's another little thing that that was brought up by the Daily Caller. Dailycaller.com, mm-hmm. article um, August 28th, 2018, the year the bill passed. Okay. National organization, the American Federation for Children, they've been pushing school choice nationally. By the way, also one of the primary organizations in Tennessee pushing. I've actually met the guy that runs the Tennessee chapter of American mm-hmm. uh, Federation for Children. In 2018, their Arizona counterpart, the Arizona Federation for Children, Knowing that the ESA bill, the school choice bill that they were pushing to the conservatives, but knowing that it would fund illegals, Mm -hmm. they ran an ad in Spanish Mm. notifying Spanish-speaking individuals that their immigration status was inconsequential when it came to qualifying for ESAs. Did they run any in Chinese or in like uh, Farsi or any no, of the other? No, Kevin, just just Spanish. <laughs> now, now, why do you would think you would run that ad in Spanish? Who who are you marketing to there? Mm. Incredible, right? Yeah, illegal immigrants. So you have the, na- the one of the main national organizations that's pushing the quote unquote conservative measure for school choice to fix our public schools, to fix our education system. And behind the scenes, they're running yep. ads in Spanish to illegals to let them know that they also qualify mm-hmm. for the, 
does that smack of uniparty or does Absolutely. it not? Absolutely. Yep. People need to wake up to what's going on. What continues to go on. It's not, not, not that it's anything new, but this is the continuation of undermining American sovereignty, taking us from a land of laws to just a geographic location on the map filled with a bunch of different people in chaos. So here's the point that I want to get across so far. Again, all of this built on the premise that we still have not seen the bill. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure some people have seen There is a bill. I'm sure the governor's office has seen them. I'm sure probably the chairman of the education committee has seen the bill. The problem is the great majority, at least, of our state legislatures, legislators that are supposed to vote, whose, whose elections will be on the line this coming year, by the way, um, have not seen the bill. So, I, again, I'm only responding to to what we know of ESA programs and what's been publicly stated so far. And what I can tell you is this. Leaders in other states have acknowledged that these school choice programs, because of not federal law, but a federal court ruling, that they're forced to fund illegals, all right? And that's on record. We know that federal organizations, national organizations, I should say, that are pushing school choice are also marketing school choice to illegal immigrants. And um, from a constitutional basis, I, I highly question whether or not our state government even has the authority to redirect our tax dollars in such a way. And, I, and I'm going to end with one last point, and I'll shut up for now, probably until we read the bill. Um, this, I, the reason that I would have supported school choice is that I do want to hold public schools accountable. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I believe one of the ways that you can hold public schools accountable is to divert funding away from right. from this public school enterprise yep. that is that is owned lock stock and barrel by teachers unions. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get the money out, right? Let's dry it up right. and try something else. All right. So I'm 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 for that idea. And what we've been sold in terms of school choice, uh, in fact, Americans for Prosperity has gone all over the state using this term backpack funding. Mm-hmm. And their pitch as to why they su- they support school choice is that, well, it's essentially going to defund. We're going to hold public schools accountable, and the funding follows the child. So if you uh, elect an ESA account, that money is going to come out of the public school system right. into an account where then you get to direct those tax mm-hmm. dollars to educate your own child. So I'm just going to tell you what Cameron Sexton said publicly in the in the press uh, conference that was given this week. He stated uh, verbatim, and I want everyone to know who might be opposing this, this is not touching our TISA funding. He said, and I quote, this is not backpack funding. Hmm. This is additional money that we are funding for, and he's now using the term scholarships. They're not using the term voucher anymore. Interesting. Scholarships for school choice. So what does that mean? So I, 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 I they were remain nameless at this point, but I called one of my friends uh, in the house here in Tennessee, saying, "Did I did I hear that right?" And he said, "Yes. That this actually is not going to come out of the public school system. This is new. We don't know where the money's coming from yet." But it's new money being funded from the general fund. So I just mm. want everyone to know that the school choice plan being promoted right now not, is not only going to fund illegal Im- illegal immigrants to be educated in private schools, but it's additional tax money that's going to fund individuals to go to private school while 
also continuing to fully fund the failing schools that we have mm. right now with your tax dollars. Kevin, this is this <clears throat> is Governor Bill Lee's education freedom, yeah. as he calls it. Freedom. And I find Say it in quotes. incredible. Well, thank you for that, Gary. That's a I think the fire has kind of not burnt out, but it's kind of gone down. Your, yeah. your hair is like a nice ember. We could cook some hot dogs now over it. But it's at it's at it's at the roasting stage now. I, it's just a I, nice. I hope between now and when we read the bill or get the bill, or at least around the time the bill is made known, that we can get someone from the House or the Senate to talk about this with us and to and to go a little bit deeper. But this I, this is great. I, I'm so glad we talked about this because, as I said. I think once we got on uh, the podcast today, I wanted to talk about this once you brought it up last week and you were a little bit hesitant. So I'm very glad that you dug deep and kind of caught on fire about it today because it's it's important that our audience hear these things because most people who think like we do have been almost reflexively in favor of ESAs, right? Education savings accounts and and the money following the student and all of that. And if we don't look a little bit deeper into what's really going on, we could accept it uncritically, and our job is to make sure that our audience is thinking critically about these things. Yeah, and the and the reason for that acceptance has been good reason. We want to hold public schools accountable, and we want better options for, right. our, for our kids. But if we're still funding said failing schools, and we're also funding illegal immigrants now to have a, a private school education with our tax dollars, mm-hmm. I, I, if, I can't imagine how conservatives— can continue to support that right. idea. Exactly. We we have to do better. Yep. And also, I think whatever we do, uh, it has to be constitutional. Mm-hmm. And and look, if doing something means that we need to first amend our constitution, no matter how painful that might be, it's what we need to right. do. If it's that important, right, amend the constitution first and do it the way we talked about, which is there is a process, not a direct democracy ballot initiative process here in the state of Tennessee, which is good. By the way, before we go, we need to remind our audience one more time that this is the 100th episode, which means... <laughs> yeah, see, we can we can, we can can depart with the same song we entered. Cool in the gang. And, and you know, even, even at episode 100, Kevin, we've still not accepted the status quo talking points. You can still listen after 100 episodes. Exactly. We've not been beaten down yet. We're nope. still going to tell the truth as we know it. Amen. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit tennesseestands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it.